0: Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, if you were watching the Super Bowl this past Sunday, you would have seen uh, our good old yellow friend SpongeBob all over that game. Not only was he the uh, center point of the Paramount Plus commercials, which, if you were paying attention to those things as they were being released online... Um, there there was a few of these like mini commercials made that showed off various Viacom, uh, uh actors and characters climbing this mountain, and and they featured Beavis and ButtHead, uh, uh, the guy from Survivor. I completely forgot his name. Uh, but but what was lacking was SpongeBob. It seemed to have this this representation across Star Trek and all the various talk shows that Viacom has, like James Corden and. Um, you know, they had Dora and the Paw Patrol and, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Beavis and Butthead as mentioned, but it was like, where, where's SpongeBob? You, f- you felt like SpongeBob would be one of the big points on this. And boy, if you were just patient, then you would have seen the commercial that happened on uh, on Sunday, although it was released online a few days earlier. Uh, but all the characters meet up on the top of the mountain, which is the metaphor of Paramount plus. Um, and, uh, the, it's all narrated by Patrick Stewart, who then pretty much introduces the bubble bowl dome crashing through the peak of the mountain. And uh, Sweet Victory just plays for the rest of the commercial with Sir Patrick Stewart and Stephen Colbert dancing in the background and uh, Elmer from Crank Anchors. And it, it was a great campaign. It was a gr- great commercial series. And it was great to see SpongeBob like fully represented in, in the highest manner of Paramount Plus. Later on in the game, they actually had a a second commercial. They had a few other commercials uh, for Paramount Plus, but more uh, uh, series specific. Like they had a commercial showing off that they would have the entire uh, series of Star Trek, like every Star Trek episode. They did the same thing for SpongeBob. So they showed off uh, Camp Coral as a Paramount Plus exclusive. Uh, Sponge on the Run is a Paramount Plus exclusive. And then over 200 episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, Reminder. This service already exists. It is CBS All Access getting a rebrand. Paramount Plus is not technically a new streaming service. It's just a new rebranding for CBS All Access. So uh, if you sign up for CBS All Access now, you get all of the Nickelodeon content that'll most likely be there on day one, although there might be dropping new things on that day as well, other than the SpongeBob stuff. Um, I don't know if the app changes over but i know that that'll be the same account so uh i'm personally waiting until march 4th uh, i will be signing up for paramount plus and i will have a separate review uh than an episode of the podcast simply on paramount plus uh on sponge on the run and um and camp coral like all in one one big bundle there uh so so that was great to see but so beyond the commercial, the Paramount Plus commercial, a big shout out to Juan Thornhill of the uh, of the Chiefs who had Spongebob uh, painted on his cleats, Spongebob singing Sweet Victory. Uh, unfortunately, the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, as amazing of, a, of a, a season they've had, were unfortunately not able to get the win on Sunday and they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know. SpongeBob representation is always great to see, so that was that was pretty cool. Check his cleats out, whoever uh, whoever got that on the cleat did an absolutely wonderful job. But before we can get to today's episode of Patty Hype, we're gonna look back in this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick 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 Nickelodeon. Nick 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 Nickelodeon. 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 Man, do we have a packed week this week, but don't worry. We're going to get to each and every item on its own. We're going to take our time because 30 years ago this week on February 9th, 1991, we had the debut of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. This is this is right up my alley when it comes to classic Nickelodeon. This is like some of my earliest memories of watching the channel. was devoted to this, to this weird family and this incredible... World that they were in, this fever dream of a life. Uh, I, I love all of it. Um, the Adventures of Pete and Pete, to me, is probably the best live action show that the channel has ever had because even though it was live action, it exuded the same energy that those early Nicktoons do. You know, it exuded the same energy of Ren and Stimpy, of Rugrats, of Doug, all of those combined. It was itself. A live-action Nicktoon, because it was just weird and surreal. It's it's so bizarre. If you've never seen The Adventures of Pete and Pete, it is something of which that you've never seen before. Um, and maybe other shows have have tried to replicate the feeling that this exuded, but to my knowledge, I can't think of a single show that I would I would point to as even a close second. Uh, and, I, and I'm sorry to speak so highly of this. I actually I'm not sorry. I'm, a- I'm absolutely right. Um, there was something at some point, you know, th- this set a bar so high in terms of live action shows. Um, a bar that no show, I think, even attempted to reach. Because as much as I love the shows of Keenan and Kel and Drake and Josh, sh- shows that I would probably put in the second or third spots in a top three live action Nickelodeon show category. Um, those two are very simple sitcoms and they work and they're wonderful. But The Adventures of Pete and Pete is not a sitcom and it is, it is an, of a league of its own, in my opinion. Um, and maybe it's a good thing that no one has tried to really replicate this on Nickelodeon, that same kind of feeling, because I don't think they would even get to a, a similar level. But I digress. Uh, the show was starring Michael Morona and Danny Tamborelli as the brothers Pete and Pete lived in the town of Wellsville and just had like i said the the best the best phrase i can think of that that represents the show in my mind was fever dream it's it's just a fever dream like for those that don't know Danny tamborelli the younger of the two uh was a you know young boy who had a full tattoo of a woman on his arm and it was just like a normal thing of life uh i i can't not mention the adventures of pete and pete without mentioning my absolute favorite character and my uh absolute favorite live action nickelodeon character arty the strongest man in the world played by toby huss uh so for for such a minor character the love i have for this minor character is is so high um Absolutely love him. But a um, few things about the show. Uh, another thing was that they released the first two seasons of the show on DVD and had the third season apparently finished. But it's literally sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Um, there's some just like legal issue between two studios. So there's this warehouse just sitting of Pete and Pete season three DVDs. So that's pretty cool. Pete and Pete almost had uh, an actual feature film The uh, Nickelodeon movie Snow Day uh, Started out as a feature film of The Adventures of Pete and Pete And for some reason it didn't happen Uh, I I have no real love for the movie Snow Day And I feel like in another universe There's a version of me that absolutely loves this winter set Nickelodeon movie But it just happens to be a Pete and Pete movie uh, I was lucky enough uh, a few years back to meet the stars of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Uh, Michael and Danny absolutely were uh, two of the best celebrities I ever met in my life. And and I've met, n- not bragging, I've paid my ticket to meet almost every one of them. Uh, only like one or two I just met in public. They were absolutely so welcoming to to fans. This was a very intimate setting. It was a very small bar um, you, you, of course, had to pay VIP to meet them before the show uh, because they uh, taped a uh, live version of their podcast at this bar. And man, the the way the nerves that I had meeting them, like it melted away the second I reached the table and shook hands with them. They were so welcoming, so accommodating. I brought my uh, Mr. Tasty vinyl figure from the Nick box to get signed Um, and it it was wonderful talking to them. I had a wonderful experience and I, and I hope to meet them again. I hope once, uh, once this pandemic is over and, and if they start touring again, I would love to, to be at their shows. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we have 30 years of, of Pete and Pete. If you've never experienced this show, please do what you can to get yourself, your eyes in front of a television screen, in front of a computer monitor, Watch yourself some Pete and Pete and let me know what you think. I'm really curious to see if if somebody is listening to this and has never watched the show, what their what their thoughts would be. At least watch the shorts. I do know the shorts are available uh, on YouTube. I've seen most of them, so I I know they still should be on there. Nineteen years ago this week on February 10th, 2002, the final episode of Action League Now aired on Nickelodeon. Action League now started out as uh, one of the main parts of Kablam. Uh, As mentioned in a previous episode, Kablam was kind of like um, a a hodgepodge of different animated shows, almost like an SNL. Um, It was a variety show. It was hosted by two comic book characters, and, and they would bring you the different segments of Life with Loopy, Prometheus and Bob, uh, Snizz and Fondue, and and the mainstay, like, the big draw was Action League Now because it was the only show out of all of these that actually had a cliffhanger. So um, the, usually an episode of Kablam would start with with the Action League Now segment, and then you'd get the finale at the end. It showed to be the most popular, of. Uh, obviously. It was just the most creative. It was a st- stop-motion animated show of... A group of superheroes, like this hodgepodge of of action figures. Uh, Let's go down the lineup. Uh, You have The Flesh. He's super strong and super naked. You you heard me right. Uh, Thundergirl, she flies like thunder. Stinky Diver, a former Navy commando with an attitude as bad as his odor. And Meltman, with the power to melt. I, I I swear to you, um, I knew I knew that entire intro from the top of my head. I was staring at the image. I don't know if that's sad or impressive or both at the same time, um, but yeah, you know the show was about a dysfunctional group of superheroes and you know a supervillain action figure, the mayor, who was you know constantly doing devious acts, you know. And they would do weird stuff. It would took place inside of somebody's home. They were actually action figures. It wasn't like a, a fake setting. Um, and, you know, they would do stuff like take the sink and tie up somebody with string and they're right over the garbage disposal and they're going to get dumped it dunked into it. That's the first one that came to mind. That's definitely an episode. Yeah. Um, And how they solved, you know, saved the day in their own way. I mean, sometimes they flat out wouldn't, but it would still work out in their favor. Um, It was super weird, super bizarre. And it's just one of those shows. It kind of fits in the same mold as Mr. Meaty. Like, that existed, really? Uh, After after Kablam, they ended up just compiling a lot of the shorts together into a show. And uh, then had some new ones as well. Some new content. Uh there was a lot of like guest appearances by like Brett Favre and uh <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. It's su- <laughs> it's just super bizarre. Um it, it it existed. It's one of those things that only lasted a- about a year on Nickelodeon uh, as a series. It didn't stay past that. Uh so I- I'm glad it existed though. It's a part of Nickelodeon history. It's one of like just the weird fun parts of Nickelodeon history, just like Mr. Meaty, even though uh people might might get displeased by these kind of shows. They're they're fun. They exist. It's like the Tim and Eric stuff of Nickelodeon. It's probably the best way I can explain it. But uh, that's Action League now. Seven years ago, on February 8th, 2014, we had the final episode of Monsters vs. Aliens. There was a weird point in Nickelodeon's history there where they really partnered up with DreamWorks Animation. Uh, and, and there's... There's no reason to see why that's such a bad idea, but they really, like, heavy into DreamWorks. started with The Penguins of Madagascar. That was a massive hit for the channel, so they went right in and got Kung Fu Panda, Legends of Awesomeness, which is is not a bad TV version of Kung Fu Panda, and the guy who voices Poe did a really good Jack Black impression. Uh, But then we have this third one, Monsters vs. Aliens, which I swear was announced... Years even before Kung Fu Panda, like after Penguins of Madagascar was a big hit, I remember hearing that uh, that the show was being made and then it you know, was like constantly there was updates, there was updates and then there just wasn't for a while. Kung Fu Panda came, but then DreamWorks was still saying, no, this show is coming. And by the time it came out, I don't think anyone was really excited for it. Uh, I'm, I'm being that complete, complete honesty. The show came out March 23rd, 2013. The The movie it was based on came out in 2009. We're talking four years later. You're, you're missing a lot of ground there. And they did have, I believe, one TV special at some point uh, after the movie came out. I think it was uh, the, a Halloween special. Let me see. Yeah, that came out. Well, that came out the same year. That came out later in 2009, so... The, the time for this show to have come out would have been early 2010. Like after the movie comes out, it was it was a decent hit at the movie theaters. Definitely not a smash hit, but it was it was still reasonable. You have the Halloween special to gauge the television watching audience. Say, hey, is this something viable that we can make? And when that does well, if it did, you make the TV show and you go right into it. They had four years to get this show out. And I I have a love for Monsters vs. Aliens. I love the movie. Not a lot of people do. It's definitely not a DreamWorks favorite. But there's something about it I enjoy. Uh, and and the second I heard there was a show, I'm like, that this is a perfect idea to work as a TV show. And by the time it came out, I lost a lot of interest. And the stuff I did see of it, there was some good ideas and some good writing but for the most part the whole show is just kind of a flop and uh, it's just a bit disappointing now man did I get a bunch of emails last week because I absolutely missed this in last week's this week in Nickelodeon history and it's a big one and I'm sorry I'm taking my lashings I received a few emails about this Uh, completely missed that six years ago this last week six years ago last week the second SpongeBob movie, the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water, debuted in movie theaters. Wow. Wow. Can't believe I missed that. But, uh, but hey, it, talking about it late is better than not talking about it at all. I was so excited when this movie was announced. I didn't think we were ever getting a second SpongeBob movie, and there was always an air, like a wink, I think, from Paramount that they kind of wanted another one, but getting television shows made as a movie is a is a big deal it's a big on taking because most of the time you're making the movie at the same time you're making the television show and a lot of people basically have to pull double duty Uh, you can bring on extra animators to help out but that's still a big project and this was a big project it was a big enough project that uh, it pulled steven hillenberg back into spongebob uh, he, he he came back to help out with the movie i believe in a writing capacity with uh paul tibbet he did get uh, a story credit uh and and i think the the magic he felt making this movie got him to come back to the show because it was reported very soon after that starting with season 10 Steven Hillenberg was was back working with the show and that uh, for the SpongeBob community, that was like the some of the biggest news we could have heard. That was bigger news than hearing about a third movie being made. That was just massive, uh, and I'm glad he got to do that before he he ended up uh, untimely passing us. Uh, it it's one of the the it's one of the things that got me through that time after he passed was was the thought that he at least he got to come back and and help out again and inspire a new set of writers that could take the show for the next decade with, with some of that magic uh, that, that some in the past got to do. Um, so it's a it's a it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal for a lot of reasons. Um, for me, one of the biggest things I love about this movie or is one of the things that most people dislike about this movie is that I like that most of the movie is the the television animation. I, to this day, watch the first Spongebob movie in awe of how well it looks and how clean it looks, but at the same time dirty. And it's so beautiful in so many ways. Every frame of that movie is absolutely beautiful, even the ugly frames. And a lot of the marketing of this movie was around the fact that Spongebob and his friends would be in 3D. And would also be in these superhero outfits. That didn't happen till like the last twenty minutes of the movie, and a lot of people got upset about that. But I was stoked. I was I was super satisfied. I was satisfied uh, just knowing that there would be two D animation in the movie whatsoever. I know when it was first announced, it was all about like you know SpongeBob and his friends are coming out of water and they're in three D, and there was a poster with SpongeBob kind of parody parroting. The, uh, the, what's her name? Uh, the copper tone. Is it copper The girl who's who and the dog on the front, and it was SpongeBob and a crab. I, it took like months before they announced somebody working on the movie said on Twitter, like, oh yeah, there, there will be 2D animation. There, you know, the TV animation will be in there. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Even if it's five or five or ten minutes of the movie and the rest is in 3D, I'm okay with that. So I walked away pretty happy. Uh I I loved it in its own way. It's certainly not better than the first SpongeBob movie, but on its own, it's still an absolutely wonderful SpongeBob movie. I I can't I can't disagree with that. Uh when you try to compare it to the first one, yeah, it's got its it's got its flaws, but it's got a lot of fun parts too. I really like uh Antonio Banderas Burger Beard. He's a very endearing villain. You're kind of cheering for him at some points of the movie, but like he's just there's something really fun about him. The one the one thing I don't like is that we did not get a a, like a a Western standoff between uh, Burger Beard and Patchy the pirate. Like I really would have loved to see Patchy involved in this movie somehow and save SpongeBob and and get to meet him. That would have been great, although the meetup between them and SpongeBob's uh, big birthday blowout was also pretty good. I can't I can't complain about that. Uh, The movie was another massive hit for Paramount, making three hundred twenty five million dollars at the box office based on a seventy four million dollar budget. So they made a lot of money with this. And almost immediately, I feel like within a year or two, they said like the head of Paramount was like Spongebob will be back in theaters. There will be a third Spongebob movie and. It was a lot quicker than they announced the second one, so they saw SpongeBob as a very viable option in animation, and eventually we would get that third movie uh, last year slash this year of Sponge on the Run, uh, which took a very vastly different approach with its visual style than the first or second one, but we will get to that in a few weeks. Three years ago on February 9th, 2018, we had the final episode of Bunsen is a Beast, Bunsen is a beast is Butch Hartman's final Nicktoon, his fourth Nicktoon, his swan song with the network and is not very good at all. It's it's the fourth in uh, debut order and also the fourth in quality. Uh, What a step down. Butch was definitely he was a, a very creative person. He still is a very creative person. But I, I felt that as time went on, where, where Nickelodeon kept kind of putting him on the spot for a new show, you know, he would do his due diligence and just kind of spout what was off of his head and the network would say, OK, make it. I I don't even know if they had the same kind of heart th- that Butch did in the shows. I, I think they were just like, oh, he has something. OK, now he definitely tried to pitch other other things he was passionate about that they ended up not liking. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they wanted to kind of force something onto him that they knew he wasn't really fully invested in and to see what he could do. Maybe it was a challenge because that's how it happened with Tough Puppy. And with Bunsen as a Beast, it kind of came out of nowhere as well. For as annoying as I find the show, it, it, it does have its fans out there. Uh, I do think it's egregious, though, of if its if its crossover episode with the Fairly Odd Parents. I thought that was very forced and it just felt it felt gross to me when I first saw it. Uh, But Bunsen did give us one really cool thing, which was the fairly odd Phantom short that aired on uh, YouTube and in preparation of the show. And and it's kind of advertisement that brought along all of Butch Hartman's creations into one room. We got to see brand new animation for Danny Phantom, which was great to see. Most of the short was surrounding the, the world of Danny Phantom anyway and and a lot of love came out of that. But uh you know, if, if that's the best thing, let me just say if 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 that short on YouTube is the best thing that comes out of Bunsen as a beast existing, I'm okay with that. I'm actually happy that Bunsen exists. So we we got that moment. I got to see high definition Danny Phantom on YouTube. That was fantastic. Uh but I I feel like this kind of show and especially the animation just going to flash just really took away from butch's r- amazing style that we had in those early fairly odd parent seasons and uh all of danny phantom and even tough puppy it was almost like his animation style was stilted because of that i feel like he would agree that the flash is is not superior to the to the to the old ways but uh yeah i don't want to i don't want to uh, come down on Bunsen anymore. <laughs> like, I feel bad, you know, especially that it's Butch's last show. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see what he could do in a few years. Uh, and maybe if Nickelodeon goes back to Danny Phantom to do something with Paramount Plus, because I feel like it's going to happen and maybe the two will come together again and, and maybe Butch will get another show in the future. Who knows? Uh, hey, you never know. They're They're going back to every well that they can for content. One year ago this week, on February 9th, two thousand twenty, the final episode of *Shimmer and Shine* aired on Nick Jr. Uh, it seemed to be a fairly popular show. I remember seeing them a few times in places like Party City. Those those characters. It ran for four seasons, eighty six episodes. It's a it's a pretty good run for a show. Uh, I'm sure the uh, the creators there would be very proud of how of how that aired. And of course, this is v- very bizarre, but for the first time, we're actually talking about a debut, because we just had the debut on February eighth, twenty twenty one, of Nickelodeon's brand new game show, Tuned In. It's actually like more of a quiz show. It's basically like Jeopardy for kids, or not really Jeopardy. It's not a, it's not. It's Jeopardy in terms of of questions, but it's all about Nicktoons. It's questions that seem to range as far back as the entire history of Nicktoons. Uh, I, I've seen a few characters, at least in the promos. I haven't been able to watch any of the episodes, but it was a really fun concept. I, this is something I wish Nickelodeon had been doing long ago. I would like to see an adult version of this show. I would like to see like a Jeopardy-style adult version of Jeopardy, but all the questions are Nicktoon-related from Nicktoons and Nickelodeon history and why is that not airing on, on Nick at night, like at 9 p.m. every night? I Come on. We all know we'd watch that. You get Tom Kenny to host it or Rob Paulson or somebody like that. Ah, oh, that's a good idea. But yeah, so we just had the debut of Tuned In. That's pretty cool. Before we get into the SpongeBob episode, Patty Hype, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive right into the episode. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv spongebobpodcast where it's not only the official home to our sister show Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com people slash where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Thousand years later. Hey Patrick, are you angry too? Yeah. What's the matter? we can't see my forehead. Welcome back. Patty Hype first debuted on February 24th, 2001 and is the second half of the 25th episode of Spongebob Squarepants. It was written by Jay Lender, Bill Reese, and Doug Lawrence. As with every season two episode we've had, this one just keeps this, this high level of quality moving forward. Uh, this is of course another well-known episode Beyond the idea of the pretty patties which have been used uh, in the Krabby Patty gummy department, I, I've seen uh, sets of the of the gummies made together in different colors and basically called Pretty Patties. Uh, this is also a famous episode for uh, the one of the Mr. Krabs memes, one of the famous memes of of Mr. Krabs, uh, kind of like struggling with a crowd around him and and looking all uh, disheveled for a second. Uh, of absolutely one of like the main memes of SpongeBob that helped kickstart its. Uh, it's current cultural impact um, in terms of comedy, too. This is an absolutely a quotable episode, A, a, a one that like when I rewatched, um, I'm always shocked by the sheer amount of quotes that I know of when it comes to when it comes to the show. Like I just have so many classic quotes in my head that. It's it's hard to sit back and think like, OK, this quote is from this episode. This quote is from this one. This one is this one. Um, and when you're watching, sometimes you just either forget or, you know, one's coming up. So anytime I watch an old episode like this, I'm usually taken aback on how much of my uh, daily thought process comes from these episodes and. Um, it, one of my favorites, and it's just a, a very random one, when Spongebob first walks up to Patrick, who looks very angry, he, he goes, I, like, I'm I'm angry, Patrick, uh, I'm angry too, what are you upset about? I can't see my forehead. Literally since I first saw this episode, if anyone asks me why I'm upset, like, even if I'm, j- like, actually upset and there's something on my mind, there's a part of my brain that is still answering that question of, I can't see my forehead, it's just, I'm sorry, one of those things, but... Uh, this this episode, the one thing I, I love it. There's a few things that I I kind of take issue with. Uh, the episode starts with a very um overrun with cobwebs. Krusty Krab. Apparently, no one has been in the store in 36 days. Which, from what we know of Bikini Bottom, like one of the main things of the show is how obsessed. The, the citizens of Bikini Bottom are over the Krabby Patty. Like, uh, according to the second movie, the Krabby Patty... I mean, it, it's been said in a few episodes on how important the Krabby Patty is to this world. But in the second movie, like, without the Krabby Patty, the, the world of Bikini Bottom delves into a post-apocalyptic setting. Like, this sandwich is important, so it's a little weird we've seen the Krusty Krab struggle a few times in previous episodes. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Culture Shock, which of course starts out with Mr. Krabs trying the idea of a salad bar and then putting on a talent show at the request of Squidward. So we've seen the Krusty Crab just like kind of struggle a little bit, but then it, it's like this weird scale where some episodes we're supposed to expect nobody wants to eat at the Krusty Crab. and then there's episodes where... You, the Krusty Krab almost just like can't support the amount of people trying to come into the store. Uh, the eating patterns of these fish in Bikini Bottom are very selective, to the point that uh, we we see a uh, a customer come in here who is who is hasn't eaten or drinking anything, any sustenance whatsoever in three days. Uh, once Mr. Krabs confirms that he has money on him, he, he brings a meal over, and the guy's like, Ugh, I don't want a Krabby Patty." And then he complains about the, the, the look of the restaurant, uh, that there's no pizzazz, that it's got an underwater theme, which, hey, look, I got to admit is a little weird, but um, I can't think of a, uh, a real-world restaurant to compare that to. Um, I, I guess the fact that we live on land, if there was a, a restaurant that, I don't know, its its interior was based off of, I don't know, outside. I, I, I'm trying to, th- like, since... Rewatching it for this episode and um and seeing that moment you know like hey that fish has got a point can i point to any restaurant that i know of that would would fit that um i i guess the only thing i can think of is that if you're uh if you are in a culture and you have a restaurant um that just kind of like exudes that culture maybe then it's boring like in i i imagine i imagine in italy you wouldn't see Italian restaurants like they're designed over here, you know, as as much or maybe it's maybe it's different. Like that, that's probably the closest example I can come up with is that if, if something like Chinese food restaurants and Italian restaurants, uh, if they're in their actual settings, they're probably is it redundant to decorate like that? I have no idea. But this fish definitely didn't want a Krabby Patty. It definitely didn't want to eat the Krusty Krab. And then we hear about uh, this shell shack This other rival restaurant that apparently has a talking dog, which is very funny, especially when one of the fish mentioned that he doesn't even know what it like. What's a dog? And they run off to it. Uh, SpongeBob, of course, during this drought, decides to pitch an idea to Mr. Krabs, which is painted Krabby Patties uh, in a a wide variety of colors. He shows off six at first. But as we see later on the episode, the the color palette is, is almost infinite, even even able to to have a glow in the dark Krabby Patty, which was a little weird, and I don't know if whatever chemicals SpongeBob is using are appropriate to be eating. But uh, <laughs> he presents these to Mr. Krabs, who routinely mocks him for the for the pretty patties. Um, now, I must mention that before mocking him, Mr. Krabs's most current kind of exploit to get customers in store was to bury himself alive, which. Got a rambunctious crowd at the Krusty Krab, but definitely a lot of fish who were interested to see this crab bury himself alive, uh, but not enough to stay to buy food. It's a really funny sequence, but when you see the fact that Mr. Krabs is willing to bury himself alive, but then scoff at SpongeBob's idea, um, it's a little weird. It's just, it's it's off-putting. This, of course, falls in line with a bunch of episodes in which SpongeBob uh, is just routinely mocked by other characters and not really trusting him and his ideas or going his way. I mean, we see this, we've already seen this before uh, coming to mind, going back to pizza delivery. If Squidward would have just listened to SpongeBob from the very beginning, they would have, they would have been safe. They would have found civilization. We find many episodes like this, where If one character would have just listened to Spongebob, everything would have worked out in the best way possible. And here's just another episode where Spongebob's idea is mocked by Mr. Krabs, mocked by Squidward. And then he goes on to just open up his own restaurant, which is literally just a stand in front of his house and ends up being an overnight sensation in the town of Bikini Bottom. Uh, Of course... In writing, if you have to get SpongeBob to be selling these Krabby Patties in front of his house, you gotta find a reason as to why. And it just—I know it didn't—it didn't really make sense. Especially thinking back to even the salad bar of culture shock. Like Mr. Krabs is willing to try a lot of gimmicks to get people to come into the store, uh, and and colored Krabby Patties in the grand scheme of things, this shouldn't be the the most laughed at concept. Uh, although the one question I do have is. Where does SpongeBob get off thinking that he could sell the Krabby Patty outside of the Krusty Krab? Um, they didn't really touch upon that, but it's something I wish would has wished would have been mentioned. Um, the first fish who purchases a pretty Patty, uh, his comment at the taste is, "It's not half bad," which didn't give me uh, an indication on whether or not SpongeBob is even using the Krabby Patty. Uh, formula. He might just be creating burgers and not necessarily Krabby Patties. That, that That's what I thought, uh, given the, the episode's context, although it's just not necessarily said. But uh, at first I was like, y- y- Mr. Krabs should be more upset that he's selling Krabby Patties, you know, outside. But if it's just regular burgers and there's no sense of the Krabby Patty whatsoever and there's no secret ingredient in it, then, hey, it's no problem. SpongeBob can do it as he pleases. Uh, of course, he gets Patrick involved, um, who is just kind of he's just there to to really have Spongebob, you know, be able to to have uh, verbal agreements with and just have uh, conversation with to get this up and running. Uh, Patrick really doesn't add much to the to the overall plot, if you will, because obviously I already mentioned these pretty patties. Uh, Become an overnight sensation. Mr. Krabs is 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 watching a very funny show uh, of these two cells breaking up. Um, And it's for all the people mentioning uh, all of the like the underwater stuff that shouldn't be happening like fire. uh, Seeing the spider next to Mr. Krabs uh, was a little off putting. Like I know that there's water spiders, but the, the webbing underwater seems a little weird. I've never seen anybody mention that, that that's a weird thing. Uh, and then I love it that the spider completely just jacks Mr. Krabs's like whole popcorn bucket. It's it's a really funny sequence, but of course he sees the success of uh, Pretty Patties. Shout out to SpongeBob though, because we now see the uh, the ex- full extent of the Pretty Patty concept. They're able to create a uh, a plaid Krabby Patty or a plaid burger, which was just super impressive to see i you, we don't see the painting process but uh just once again like absolutely impressive and uh i like the shot of larry coming over larry the lobster who's just like you know pretty patty's rule and he you know it, it, it's just a really funny sequence like the fact that uh he's into the burgers that much that uh that's just his energy coming out Over these pretty patties. A few things significant about this episode, apparently this is the first time that uh, the fishes Fred and Tom are actually named for the very first time, uh, two of those background fishes. And looking into it, apparently various episodes of SpongeBob um, have have basically said that there's about 500 fish or aquatic life living in Bikini Bottom with the amount of pretty patties sold. Uh, it seems that the that the outpouring reach of this product has gone beyond Bikini Bottom at this point, um, unless those 500 people uh, in Bikini Bottom kept kept ordering Pretty Patties, uh, which is a very big possibility. And now that I'm thinking about it, let's see how much that is. So, uh, 46,853 divided by 500. And uh, if that's the case, if it's only Bikini Bottom, then uh, each resident of Bikini Bottom is order has ordered about 93, 94 patties, which is uh, absolutely insane. I don't think I don't think that's true, but I- we've seen some of these people eat at the Krusty Krab. Uh, but we- you know, there's also uh, the idea of Bubble Bass too. I imagine Bubble Bass was um, was buying a bunch of patties. There's there's a there's a possibility he could have ordered uh, over a hundred patties himself. But I don't expect every other fish to be uh to be doing that. Um, Patrick is pretty much right after he's there. There's this bit when Mr. Krabs really gets upset, and it's actually a really funny joke. Um, but while SpongeBob is on the news talking about the success of Pretty Patties, um, he brings up the idea that the money that they have, they have no idea what to do with all of it. Uh, so the uh, so they tried burying it and burning it, and then they just started giving it away. So they cut to this stand. That just says free money from Patrick and he's just handing away bags of money and there's a line of people. And of course, that's what gets Mr. Krabs like wanting to run out and and get this back under his grasp. Uh, That's the last time we see Patrick in this episode. He does not appear uh, at all whatsoever. And to mention a big error in this episode, um, it's actually a (laughs) a massive one. If you watched during the news coverage of uh, the Pretty Patties, when there is a like overhead shot of uh the two stands SpongeBob and Patrick and this crowd you know around them um if you look at the uh SpongeBob and Patrick images they are so far from the their actual stands like that just seemed to have gotten adjusted it's only on screen for like a second uh it obviously isn't something that i i noticed in uh the 20 years of watching this episode uh but because that's what's really crazy is now that we're I'm a little bit caught up like this we're at the 20 almost at the 20th anniversary of this episode on February 24th so one of these weeks I will be celebrating like hey this is the 20th uh, 20th anniversary this week we're pretty close thus far so in the 20 years of watching this episode never noticed that error until like once somebody points it out to you you can't watch this episode without noticing it again um of course, the, so we never see the shell shack. We never see the talking dog. Uh, eventually, Mr. Krabs comes over to the to the stand. He wants pretty patties in his life again, and and SpongeBob isn't really into it. He's, he's okay on his own. He's running his own stand in front of the house, making a lot of people happy. But Mr. Krabs offers him the one thing that he knows SpongeBob would not say no to, and he offers him the Krusty Krab. Uh, he just literally hands over his business to SpongeBob in exchange for SpongeBob's little patty stand in front of his house, mind you, which which was weird. I, if I was Mr. Krabs, I would definitely want to move that whole operation, at least in front of my home. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's weird, like when the next morning comes and he like opens up the stand, it's still in front of SpongeBob's house. Like, I, I always found that really funny. Uh, so he, he offers spongebob the key to the crusty crab and everything that's inside of it and spongebob takes this offer he's so happy about it because it's not about the money it's 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 about other things and for spongebob i don't even think it's about um making people happy or making food because if that was the case he would have stayed with the with the pretty patty business um but there was just something about owning the crusty crab. Like maybe that's just a dream of his that, that, you know, now is true and here we are. Uh, but he he runs down to the crusty crab. One of his favorite things he wants to do is uh make the pickles squeak against each other. That's like something that really intrigues him. So Mr. Krabs takes over the pretty patty stand. Uh we see him fairly successful right when he takes it over, but it kind of cuts to the next day when once this crowd kind of comes back to the pretty patty stand, we start seeing the effects of what's been going on with them. Now, one thing that was brought to my attention is, uh, there are some brands of fish food out there, uh, that will actually change the color of fish, uh, especially goldfish. Apparently this does happen. So, um, there, this is actually grounded in some sort of reality in which a fish, fish food could change the color of the fish in general, but, uh, a lot of these fish were not happy. A lot of them had issues with their tongue. It changed the color of their bodies, their face. Uh, it seemed that the color uh, choice of Pretty Patty would would change their look, which, of, of course, is where we get the the idea that a glow in the dark Pretty Patty exists because someone has a has a glow in the dark tongue. Uh, they all want refunds for this food, which seems weird because it's just like, well, you ate it. What's there to return? Um I'm trying to of course if this was a realistic situation if like if a company like McDonald's or Burger King put out a meal that was changing the skin or the tongue color there would most likely be a lawsuit of some sort going on um maybe these companies before any sort of lawsuit would, would put out some goodwill of like free meals or something but uh but yeah so he <laughs> all of these customers want their money back you think like some would would be a little bit happy about their changes. The uh, the Scottish type fish got like his skin became plaid, and and I thought that was pretty cool. I figured, I don't I don't know. I figured he was so into his kill and everything. I figured that that would be something he was interested in, uh, or at least would be fine with. But um, it seems that these changes were temporary because we never, you know. See any of these actor after effects of any of this fish in any other episodes? So who knows how long it lasted? Maybe it was only only a day or two, and then the the color change goes away. I mean, if that's the case, then that that's even cooler. If you could eat this burger and it changes the color of your skin for like a day or two, that that would be a pretty cool concept. Uh, But of course, we just don't get to we don't get to see what happens. Mr. Krabs runs away from the crowd. Uh, He ends up running to the Krusty Krab, which is. Uh, locked, and uh, Spongebob is busy inside with the sound of his squeaky pickles keeping him busy uh, and and completely ignoring Mr. Krabs uh, and this emergency happening outside. It's it, it's a very fun episode. It's fun to see um, Spongebob succeed. It, it always is in any of his ventures. And, of course, it's nice to see characters like, like Mr. Krabs get their comeuppings, but um, I, I don't know that He necessarily deserved any negativity other than just, hey, you didn't you didn't trust SpongeBob and you should have it it, writing this episode now, like thinking about it, I think it just would have made more sense to to have Mr. Krabs want to bring SpongeBob just like, hey, come back to the Krusty Krab with all these and and we'll do something extra and we can bring all this momentum to the Krusty Krab uh, certainly the the end is is very funny. I love that that Mr. Krabs hands over the Krusty Krab. I love that uh, SpongeBob's excitement over owning the Krusty Krab is is certainly fun to watch. And um, but I I just think some things about this episode could have just been changed a bit slightly. Uh, but as it stands, it's it's an absolutely wonderful season two episode. And as I mentioned before, even though I'm mentioning things that I don't like about it or things I would change, this is still keeping a very strong momentum of quality that was started with season two. So uh, don't take this as a low point. It's still kind of right up there with the rest of the season two episodes, uh, which is very high up on the list. Mail It's now time for the snail mailbag. If you would like to be a part of the snail mailbag, you can. You can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X.com. You can send me your questions, your comments, your concerns, your suggestions, anything you'd want me to read on the air, you can send it there. This question was sent in from Kirsten from Jacksonville, Florida. I was recently watching the Spongebob movie Sponge Out of Water with my child. They hadn't seen the movie before and picked it out based off of the cover of the movie, which featured the 3D models of the characters. What are your thoughts on the overpromotion of the 3D models for the movie, given that they take up so little screen time? Yeah, uh, as mentioned before for the, the week in Nickelodeon, I I was a fan that the movie was mostly 2- 2D, was mostly the television animation, and that the 3D models uh, had the time that they did. I didn't want them to take over the whole movie, but there certainly was a lot of people who left that movie feeling unsatisfied because there was so much promotion of not only the 3D models, but of the superhero characters. I mean, most of the trailers, most of the advertisements of the movie, the posters, feature these characters that you only really saw in the last 15 minutes, so... Um as much as I'm happy with the final product, I will admit that advertising it to the degree that they did was a bit of a detriment. And um, that negativity is probably what pushed for the third movie to be completely CG animated and not have to deal with the TV animation uh, and and trying to do a 3D animation and try to fit it in. Their, their idea was like, OK, people were upset that the second movie didn't have enough of the 3D characters Well, the third one is just going to be all 3D. Um, which which I think is, is a better choice, but I still like that 2D animation. I really hope that we haven't seen The Last of Spongebob in movie theaters. Uh, I hope there is a chance for there to be a fourth one and for them to actually go back to do the television animation because when they take their time and with the budget of a movie, that animation just looks gorgeous. Uh, I've definitely mentioned on the show before, go back and watch the first SpongeBob movie and watch to where SpongeBob first leaves his house um, and and you see the, the conch street setting of Patrick and Squidward's house and just the the extra effort that went into the backgrounds, went into the lighting, went into the design. I, I absolutely love that. So when done right, that to me is better than even the best 3d animation they could do for spongebob but uh yeah kirsten i'm with you i I don't know what your opinions are um about that but um but there, there definitely just was over promotion for that movie with those with those models um And uh, like like I said, there's probably some people out there who despise that movie because the 3D models were maybe they were excited about that. and They go and see it and then it's just mostly TV animation and then, you know, gets to the 3D ones. There's definitely people out there who 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 dislike the movie because of that. But uh, I I can understand. I I, I hate when movie uh, companies, movie studios over advertise movies when they show you too much. Uh, The the whole thing about seeing a movie uh, is kind of the surprise being there, seeing it on the big screen. Um, They they shouldn't have done that. They should have still included the 3D characters in the advertisements to acknowledge like this does happen in the movie, um, but definitely should have showed off more of that of that 2D animation in trailers, uh, in TV spots, in posters, or at least did a did a kind of 50 50 split that way. Um, Not as much people are going to be upset walking out of it. Uh, But that is this week for the podcast. Um, I've been talking about uh, uh, streaming a segment of the show to go over the, you know, the entire of season one and kind of do an official ranking. Um, uh, The streaming element of that is just probably not going to happen. Uh, I am going to work on that. It's going to be released as a YouTube, uh, a re- you know, a YouTube exclusive, a Facebook exclusive. It'll just be uh, as a part of our video set. Um, but streaming for the show will be resuming uh, hopefully in March. There's just a few obstacles I got to get through in the month of January. Uh, the goal is to be streaming at least two days a week, uh, one day with uh, more mature online-based games like Call of Duty, like Fortnite. Um, and of course, Fortnite's not not mature. And then that second day will be more uh, Nicktoon-related shows, kind of more of that Video Bob Game Pants element. Um, I, I'm going to just be restructuring things, uh, so please stay tuned for that. If you are a fan of the show, please follow us on any form of social media we are available on. We have a Facebook group you can join. We have a YouTube page. Subscribe there. Uh, leave comments on videos Like videos if you can Any Anything you do for the show Is is well respected, well appreciated I love each and every one of you on the Ready Crew uh, Follow us on Twitter Follow us on Instagram uh, And if you want to send in emails for the snail mail bag You do so at snailmail At euphonics.com So that is this week for the episode Thank you for joining, thank you for listening And we'll see you next time ah! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv spongebobpodcast where it's not only the official home to our sister show Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com people slash where various designs will be uploaded in by our show including our official logo which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts stickers duvet covers and even a shower curtain this is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan driven any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated thank you and enjoy